0: so this is q a from saint ambrose university um we're trying some new style with these uh podcasts try to loosen them up make them a bit more conversational in tone and um this is the first one to do that. Matthew Hoffman visited uh, campus last year. He's a Chicago-based artist and designer. Um, He's also the custodian of You Are Beautiful, which just recently opened a bricks-and-mortar store in Chicago. Let's see if I can find the address. Yeah, 3368 North Elston Street, Chicago, Illinois. We spoke with um, Matthew about his exhibition in the Cash Gallery and delved deep into how he went from being a professional graphic designer to an artist and designer working on his own. Really fascinating conversation. We were lucky to have him here. Okay, here we go. Okay, welcome back to another St. Ambrose University Cadditch Gallery uh, podcast from the Artist Q&A series. Um, I'm uh, pleased to present to everyone uh, Matthew Hoffman, our, our newest artist and his show which we just finished hanging today is called from here Uh, matthew thanks for coming to st ambrose and talking with us thanks for having me sure sure Um, as we do in all these podcasts uh, this is um, recorded in front of a group of people uh, typically students and um, it's an open conversation and anyone can ask a question anytime so let's get started by saying um, uh, well i thought what we were just talking about would be a good place to start. Um, you have kind of two different worlds now uh, as an artist and a, as a professional. Uh, the Hey It's Matthew and the You Are Beautiful. you want to talk about what You Are Beautiful is and how it's separate from Hey It's Matthew? Sure. Um, so yeah, you'll see on everybody's chair there's a, a You Are Beautiful sticker.
1: And uh, basically that was a project that was started in 2002. It started with a hundred stickers and uh, it was sort of a response to moving to Chicago. I'd lived in only small towns before that and so sort of being in a big city and there's all this noise and visual noise and I just kind of wanted to make a quiet message um, to add to the conversation to say there's nothing that you need to do or be just be yourself and that's good enough because that's the kind of the message that I felt like I needed to be feeling at that time um, and it Became this sort of community project where uh, you know we started trading stickers with people from around the world. Uh, it was definitely sort of a hobby thing. Um, you could send a self-addressed stamped envelope and get five free stickers, and all of a sudden mail started coming in. And um, that you know, how was this? Is, it set? is
0: it all through the internet?
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I made mean, just a single HTML web page, mm. um, but it was like the day when like Photolog and Flickr were big and. Mm. Um, So sort of fast-forwarding to today, uh, we just printed our three millionth sticker in a hundred different languages and has traveled to, I think, probably definitely every continent. We even got Antarctica, which was really exciting, Um, but most major cities and um, pretty much everywhere. Um, And it's been this really cool thing where it's shared from one person to
0: the next. So So you're saying that you you created the sticker, You Are Beautiful, put it out there, Mm -hmm. and people Google searched You Are Beautiful and found your page? Yeah, or... virally, or...? Yeah, um, yeah, they either found it through
1: that, or, you know, this was when street art was really big, so there were a lot of street art blogs, Mm -hmm. and so, you know, you would, we'd be going out and doing big installations, so there were the stickers, and then there were also big pieces, Mm -hmm. like this size, that we would just go and, like, put up
0: without permission, Mm -hmm. I guess you could say. And at the time that this was happening, you had a full-time job? Yep. So, yeah, my
1: story is that I went to school for graphic design um, at Ball State in Indiana. And then I moved to Chicago in 2002. Um, It took me about, I think, like six months to find a job, but I really wanted to get to Chicago. And so I was just looking in the paper every day. That's when you used to look in the paper. (laughs) Um, and any job in Chicago I was I was uh, you know trying for, and uh, my parents were like, You're not going to just move there without a job and figure it out you're going to go you're going get a job to be able to move there. So I was able to secure a job for uh, as an art assistant to a consultant to a large publications firm, and I ended up staying there for eleven years, um, which is kind of unheard of in today's sort of world where
0: m- most people are kind of in and out in two or three years. Well, let me, let me stop you right there. So you were living at home after college and mm-hmm. applying for jobs in yep. Chicago, which is yep. a distance away. Yep. How did you handle the distance applications? So yeah, I would,
1: and I didn't even have a computer at that point. I mean, computers were a little less you know, prolific right. than they are now. Sure. So I would go to the library computer lab, mm-hmm. log in, and send
0: emails with my resume and stuff. Did you pretend to already be living in nope. Chicago? No, or I was, you said that you would need to travel to get there? or? I know that's kind it of an a issue sometimes. Ago. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, true, that's true.
1: Um, I think I just said I'll do whatever it takes to, to to figure it out. And and I went to school in Muncie, but we were living in South Bend. Mm. So between South Bend and Chicago, there's a south or south shore um, mm. train line. Mm. So you can just get on the train, and it's okay. like a two hour. Oh, it was like that far. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Um, so, but it definitely it was a big deal to accept an interview and then, you know, go all the way there. And I went five or six times for different hmm. sort of speculative things. Hmm. Um, but
0: I was, I was determined um, to get there. Hmm. So, okay, so then once you were there, you had the job, and then you started doing these other projects at night.
1: Yeah, so I was doing all this nights and weekends. So the stickers happened right about the same time I got to Chicago. Mm. And um, yeah, I did it all nights and weekends until um, this Thanksgiving will be four years. The company that I was at, they um, were, are, were and are great people, but there were about 650 people at the heyday. And they're about to 30 people right now. Oh, gosh. Um, wow. So Because I, it was
0: print? It was print media? Print
1: and publications yeah. and just, um, yeah. Hmm. Uh, so I was part of one of those large layoffs. And um, since I had all this stuff kind of going on nights and weekends, it wasn't making tons of money yet. It was more just in, like, getting, getting the word out there, getting the messages out there, getting my name out there. And so as soon as that happened, I'm like, I'm going to just try this. Um, and, yeah, I just kind of went for it. And, um, yeah, like I said, this this will be four years this Thanksgiving. And then um, it wasn't until so the first couple months, I just, like, called people, tried to set up lunches. I didn't even know what I was doing or <laughs> what was going on. But I just, again, like, just always reaching out and always putting stuff out there so I was always like putting myself out there putting my work out there pushing, pushing, pushing and um, you know then just to see what came back and it was always sort of unexpected what came back and by kind of always doing that um, we're now like we have I have two full time employees plus a few interns and we literally can't get stuff out the door Mm -hmm. in time a lot of times because we're just so bombarded with work um, which is a like a fun and exciting place to be.
0: Yeah. Well, let's let's talk about that work because it's um, the work that you make is sort of in a um, middle space of art and graphic design and sculpture and and uh, language. I mean, it, it you your work, especially the work in here, but then also your stickers and everything, they occupy these kind of transitive genres, right? Mm-hmm. So. Um, what was it that you, as a graphic designer, you were working during the day, and you're thinking, I want to make stickers. What, what's, that, what's that environment that led to that kind of production?
1: Hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, I feel like I've always been sort of like on the fence or, you know, the unwanted child of both camps. Hmm. Um, and it was the same was in, in college, too. I was a graphic design major, but no hmm. one knew. Like I mean, people obviously in the graphic design classes did, but I was putting on like these huge exhibitions, mm-hmm. and most people thought I was a studio major, mm-hmm. and I did very little graphic design, but still learned just so much about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so working as a designer is a lot of fun, but it um, most of the work isn't as uh, rewarding as you think it will be. Right. Um, so I wanted something to kind of like get all my ideas and <coughs> you know passions out there. And this was, yeah, when street art was just really exploding. Right. And, or actually kind of before it was exploding. Mm -hmm. Um, And so stickers and um, sort of installations, I didn't want to like go out with like a can of spray paint or anything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was trying to find out ways that you could put stuff out into the world.
0: Right. Things that were, um, that might survive and not, you ended up in jail for the weekend. Yeah. (laughs) so, during the day, you were designing texts in InDesign for catalogs or, I mean, what was kind of the, the, the non-rewarding design work that you were doing?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, and it was interesting, it was kind of fun. We were research and development, so we um, created sort of templates and formats of products. Um, and so, a lot of things, and, and then everything was made over in China. Hmm. So then it was a lot of sort of like creating um, iterations and revisions. And um, so the work was actually, it was was a little dull, but it was kind of interesting. At our point, we never put any text or graphics on it. Hmm. We did sort of the raw
0: formats. Hmm. Interesting. So most of that work is sort of tangential to the stuff you did at night, or did it ever really kind of bounce back and forth? Did you ever see any kind of dialogue between your... Personal artwork and that professional work, or well, um, I've
1: actually noticed it now. It's like those mm-hmm. things that like you hear your parents tell you, and <laughs> and then <laughs> you have your back. own kids, and then you're like, oh, I get it, I get it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> but uh, recently, I realized just how much that job benefited me with because we create a lot of products, and mm-hmm. so I do a lot of sourcing and a lot sure. of. Um, you know, it, it uh, when, especially when you're ordering large quantities, it's like really important that it comes in perfect and right the first time and so I I think
0: I have a, a level up on that just because of all the stuff I learned from the job. For sure, like he uh, he was just telling me about this um, kind of a calendar, like a tearaway calendar that he has and uh, you get a pallet of them some thousands of them on a Mm -hmm. pallet basically and so you had to send that order off and you're going to get that back do they 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 don't send you a model first they just send you the whole pallet well it depends how fast you're working Mm -hmm. yeah so that last year we had to literally have it in a few days so yeah they just sent it over but a lot of times you can get um samples and things okay cool cool um okay so you um start making these stickers uh you are beautiful starts taking off The website says you can write in and get stickers. Mm -hmm. That's a very utopian kind of anarchic, anarchistic kind of message, right, this Mm -hmm. sort of um, uh, breaking out of the capitalist sort of chain of product and ordering in that, in that case. But at some point you want to become a self-employed artist. So how did it go from that um, more anarchistic thing into a a model that works for you as as a means of employment?
1: yeah it was a, a hard transition was it? and I was very stubborn the entire way. sure and um, I just I wanted to create this message that everyone could sort of experience and I wanted it to be uh, free um, but in this world, you literally just can't do that. I mean you could do that for one thing, but you can't maintain that over a period of time, sure. and so you can still send in a self- addressed stamp envelope and get five free stickers even today. We've sent out, um, well, yeah, millions. But oh, wow. yeah. Um, at a certain point, you were able to click a PayPal button um, mm. to sort of throw on five bucks, and then you get 20 stickers. Mm. So we sort of had that link on the site. And um, Oprah did, like, this piece on me. And the morning it ran... We had, like, 6,000 <laughs> PayPal clicks in, like, the first 20 minutes.
0: Were you prepared
1: for that? No. I mean, I knew it was happening, but, it was I wasn't, happen, but I wasn't prepared at all. <laughs> and so we, I, we literally took the site down, like, yeah. didn't know what to do. Yeah. Uh, because I only had, like, a couple hundred stickers, like, on my desk. <laughs> <You>
0: know, like, <laughs> That's epic, man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and and uh, so then you knew once you had that kind of exposure, you knew that you could keep branching out from that. And
1: well, that definitely was a, a like a bubble, not mm-hmm. a not right, a sure. um, sort a of curve kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it did sort of teach me all the hard lessons um, I learned a lot very quickly and so I had like tons of like angry emails for months oh really people saying like I'm going to tell Oprah on you (laughs) 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 Uh, but it got me into creating a very well oiled system on the back end Mm -hmm. and so now we we get a couple hundred orders um, every couple days really Um, and we could
0: definitely handle a huge amount uh, (coughs) now and it wouldn't even be a problem (coughs) wouldn't even be a blip on the radar Of of all sorts of different things, uh, yeah. What was, yeah. What what are some of the, the variety of things that you have? There's a that. lot of things like t-shirts and um, different types of stickers.
1: Um, one thing that I made that I just laughed about forever is um, we made like sort of like the silver text on the back of cars that say the car brand mm-hmm. you know we made those exactly oh, from wow. a model maker that makes them for cars it wow. says you are beautiful and you can just put it on your car and yeah and what i love is you you might not notice it sure. you know you're you're like sitting behind someone stuck in traffic and then all of a sudden you're like oh wow you know so i i giggled about that one a lot getting those made and
0: it's all and it's all you are beautiful well, there's so there's the two worlds. Yeah. Okay. So in the "You Are Beautiful" world, it's all "You Are Beautiful." Yes. It, mm-hmm. In different formats. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that is on, ongoing, still with multiple orders year after year. That continues to. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. That's really. It's like a universal message that just keeps going, huh? Yeah. Keeps echoing out. And do you do you, have you found with with the "You Are Beautiful" that some of those objects have kind of come and gone in terms of interest or. Some some of them kind of continue to be... Like, the stickers obviously continue to go, but um, are some of the objects kind of one and done, or...? Yeah, I mean, so there's basically, like... There's the stickers, there
1: are a cursive wood piece, mm-hmm. and there are the T-shirts. And those are, like, what everybody sort of loves and goes to and mm-hmm. gets all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely, the the stickers are, like, beyond... There's yeah. nothing near it
0: yeah Um,
1: but what I like to do is always just kind of be inventive and make fun and new things and you know try things out Um, so things yeah might just have a limited run Mm -hmm. or we might just kind of keep keep it going Mm -hmm. Um, and what's interesting and you know this shows a great example of you you don't have to make a a million of something you know Um, I'm making little versions of a lot of these pieces And we'll just, like, make one or two and then put them online and Mm -hmm. see if people like them. Mm -hmm. And um, so when you make stuff by yourself, you can, you know, um, you have a lot more flexibility and freedom. Mm -hmm. And that way, um, you don't have to have some huge investment. And
0: then if it does do really well, that's a good problem to figure Mm -hmm. out. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Um, Okay, so you are beautiful, continues continues to grow and evolve, and then you also start doing the... Other, the other side hates hey, Matthew. Where do mm-hmm. where you put everything else that you want to do? Basically, mm-hmm. is that right? Mm-hmm. And what what all is in hates hey, Matthew? Everything else. And it's yeah. stuff like this. It's um, uh, other um, other t- phrases, but also other kinds of objects that you get out, outside of text. Or is it all basically text based? It is mostly text
1: based. There's some shape elements and things. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, But, yeah, mostly text-based, like on the show poster, like that giant go-for-it that I'm sitting on. Mm -hmm. Um, Just ways to kind of, like, come up with different phrases or find different ways to, like, play around. Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. It's sort of like the experimental side. And that's that's led to a different kind of work for you in general in terms of... It's not necessarily the mass manufacturing and dispersal through the Internet. It's more like art installations or...
1: Yep. Yeah. And it keeps me like more engaged Mm -hmm. with
0: it because that's like my playground yeah but now you had those installations have been a lot of times have been in the professional realm I mean you mentioned like Facebook you had a piece for Facebook is that that's been it's when one sort of fed the other like your your exposure from uh, You Are Beautiful led to somebody like Facebook contacting you and say, hey, can you do something like this for me or for us at our space? Or how, how did that come about exactly? Yeah, I think, like, so a lot of the work is public. So it's out,
1: out there and on fences or buildings or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, so then people see it and yeah, do a little bit of research. And so, yeah, like Facebook, like mm-hmm. Cards Against Humanity, like a lot of these different companies have reached out for sort of big installations, and they just say, like, do whatever you want like make it keep you know Mm -hmm. like whatever we love it and so Mm -hmm. those are really fun because you can just you know Mm -hmm. and they love it when you push the boundaries and you know Mm -hmm. go nuts um so those are really fun um and rewarding and actually keep sort of like the business going well um
0: but my love is to have stuff outside for everyone to come in contact with right right And that, yeah, okay, so back to that earlier question about how you balance that desire for a a utopian message with the need to to make money and support yourself, Um, you you kind of have to do the one for the other, and in in every case the message that you're sending is is sort of affirmative and positive and constructive in general, Mm -hmm. but then... The audience that receives it. it may be someone that pays money or maybe someone that just stumbles across it, and you're, and you're balancing those two poles. Yeah, yeah, it, there's a, a
1: balancing act, but I feel like it's also just all works together. You know, if Coke came to me and said, make right. a sign that says drink Coke, I'd be like, well, no. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's like, it's still art, it's still what I want to be doing. Right, right. It's just
0: in a different place. Sure. It's got to be within this uh, message. Um, and, and let's talk about that message. How did that, how did that come about? Was that something that was already there in grad school? Is that something that you kind of came across uh, at a point in your life where some of these mm, phrases or you were beautiful had meaning to you personally and then you just sort of reflected that out in the world? Or how, how did you develop this um, affirmation um, type of work? Um.
1: So it happened right when I moved to Chicago after I'd been there for a little bit. Uh-huh. Uh, I didn't know anyone, didn't have any friends or family there. Mm-hmm. So it was super fun to, you know, explore the city and, and, and you know, get lost in it, but it was also really kind of overwhelming um, with all the different things going on. And mm-hmm. it's easy to feel sort of lost and alone. Sure. And so I was trying to come up with ways to just interact with people or the community mm-hmm. um, in, in, in just different ways and so I was trying to so, sort of sort that out and I when I came across that phrase I felt like it was the it was universally true mm-hmm. and um, also it's a it's almost unfortunate that it's so unexpected but because it's so unexpected I think it's had such power mm. You're saying it, it shouldn't it shouldn't be striking shouldn't, people this way. Yeah, it shouldn't be so <laughs> unexpected to to do
0: nice things for each other. But. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's just not it's not the way we're programmed, right? Yeah. I mean, maybe yeah, Not injecting politics into the issue, but in this world that's very kind of um, combative, it's a it's a it's, it's a nice thing to think about, you know, yeah. for sure. Um, and so, "You Are Beautiful" was the first one. And then, yeah. how do you? What's the thought process that goes into finding these things? Uh, do you stumble across them in life? Do you hear them? Do they come to you mm-hmm. in your? In do they bubble up from your subconscious. Do you? You hear someone else say something. I mean, um, or or all of the above.
1: Yeah, I think like all all of the above. Like just so I used to keep like a sketchbook or post-it notes and napkins and just jot all sorts of things down and some of those things are positive or negative or just odd and then I would sort of go through those scraps of paper and now I just keep a list on my phone and mm-hmm. just jot things in and um, I actually use a, a, a te- like um, it's a a way, like people that can work, so task bars, mm-hmm. and so I just make them all different tasks. I know it's not how you're supposed to use the program. <laughs> <laughs> and then I can go through and I can star the ones that I like. Mm-hmm. And um, So if a couple months later when I'm looking through them, if they still sort of ring out um, and mean something to me, then I'll start working with them. Um, and then the things that are just a little strange or odd or I don't even
0: remember what it was, um, I'll just throw away. Right sometimes they seem like they're all the rage and then a couple weeks later what what was I thinking exactly (laughs) (laughs) Um, and in terms of length or grammar it's all different types of uh, phrases yeah um,
1: and I recently have been doing sort of like kind of like this big paragraph here and um, I in January went out to Boston and uh, did a piece that was 350 feet long. Mm -hmm. And it was this run on sort of like, um, basically like stream of consciousness. Mm -hmm. And it was, I think, six different phrases that all ran into each other. But then also, because you can't possibly photograph the whole thing at once, Mm -hmm. but then you could focus on one phrase Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. And so, Mm -hmm. yeah, I
0: love all this sort of like language and playing around. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then the language itself um, has an ambiguity to it at times? Or, I mean, it, it always has this feeling, right? I, I connect to the feeling, but then, you know, trying to, like, pick out necessarily what it means at any given moment, it can change. The, the meaning can change. And that that's part of the, the charm of the, the, the phrases that you attach yourself to. Yeah. Uh,
1: so, so I try, especially with public work, I just try to like set the stage and offer something. Mm-hmm. And then it, you know if you asked a hundred different people what the sticker meant to them, you'd get a hundred different answers. Yeah. And I kind of like that, to not direct people or make people go a certain way and just right. let them see where they go.
0: Right, right. Yeah. Cool. Um, okay, so um, again, please feel free to ask a question if anything comes to mind. But uh, I thought maybe we could talk a little bit about the work in the room and the specific nature of of these pieces. You know, in talking to Joseph in the past about your work, I had heard that, you know, you were the scroll saw or jigsaw master, you know, that you Mm -hmm. did a lot of hand cutting. And, um, lo and behold, you arrive with the work and it's all laser cut. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I was personally very stoked because I'm into the laser, you know, engraver, but, uh, also I was like, wow, this is an artist who, um, works between the handmade object and the manufactured object, or the digitally output object. And uh, I'd be curious to hear you talk about um, the benefits or or differences between the two. Yeah, so uh,
1: yeah, everything in here is laser cut. Mm Um, but everything was originally well except I guess the, the, the management sign. but be, besides that everything's hand drawn mm-hmm. so most of the things like we did this vinyl today mm-hmm. um, it's just hand drawn sharpie then scanned in and then vectorized um, and, and, and then laser cut uh, when we do big installations a lot of it is CNC which is instead of the laser it's a router head that runs around and then you can do massive massive things um, but like the go for it on the the show poster, it's a humongous piece, mm-hmm. but I hand cut that.
0: That one was hand cut. In yeah. the video, you're you're cutting the two sheets together. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So
1: <coughs> I'm always in a mixture of you know handmade and mm-hmm. um, manufactured, mm-hmm. and uh, there's there's pros and cons to it all, and you know I can hand cut one thing quicker than you could machine it, mm-hmm. but I couldn't possibly. Hand cut a hundred of them and at the same time it takes to machine a hundred of them.
0: Right, right. And and have you evolved on that? As that, as you know, the Oprah experience being a lesson there. Have you evolved on on on? Were you more of a purist in the beginning, or have you always sort of been okay with that? I've always been interested in sort of the different working methods. Uh-huh. Um, I think
1: that I've always just worked with what I had. Yeah. So I was able to buy a scroll saw. Right. Um, for a few hundred dollars, and you know that's what I was able to right you know uh, afford. and um, so as I've been able to get access to other machines, and then the other thing too is now all of this stuff is a team environment. Sure. Um, so I have to figure out how to make things where a group of people can make them together. Yeah. Um, which is that's led a bit to more of the machine too, because then I can draw it out and make the files and then, You
0: know, we can get it cut out and you know assembled. Utilize the workforce. Yeah, yeah. that that, that's so great. I I think that's uh, really um, uh, interesting in in regards to your education. How you said, as a student, you were always kind of back and forth there between graphic design Mm -hmm. and art, and um, to to be able to traverse both of those worlds and feel comfortable and find find the creativity within what you know may sometimes be more professional graphic design may often be very professional but those skills the tools that you use there can come over here and they they can go back and forth right Mm -hmm. so i think that's that's really really engaging uh, aspect of the show um and so let's talk about the individual pieces then um keep keep going as an arc here is is laser engraved uh, birch ply, you said most of the work in here is birch ply? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it's uh, to go from the text that's written to the sculptural object, you, you told me that you've had some challenges, technical challenges to build these things into the three dimensions.
1: Yeah, so you kind of see like the, the curving sides of it is what gets, where it gets really complicated. It's super easy to do really flat things, but when you want to do this um, curved edge um, so, this is out of layers of pink foam, pink insulation foam, like from Home Depot. And uh, and then we lined it with uh, felt. Um, but we've used um, different sort of bendable plastics and different bendable plywoods. Um, but yeah, c- getting that depth of curved edges and a flowing edge has been very
0: difficult mm-hmm. to manufacture affordably. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm tried a number of different things um, you know this uh, the, uh, the light sign is also layers layers of uh, uh, thinner uh, acrylic built up and then uh, the video of go for it watching you construct that and have the interior structure and then kind of skin it with the corrugated mm-hmm. plastic yeah also pretty interesting uh, you put these wood objects out in the world do they they deteriorate naturally Um, So we have done a lot of... uh, We use a lot of
1: MDO, which is what they used to make billboards out of. Mm -hmm. So as long as it gets a a full layer of paint on all sides and edges, Mm -hmm. it's good to go for maybe 10 years. Oh, wow. Um, Which is a lot of the fence installation pieces that we did. Mm -hmm. But we've been working with a lot of uh, HDPE, which is a plastic that they make playgrounds out of. Mm -hmm. And so we've been doing big pieces out of that, and those pieces like will outlive us and all of <laughs> humanity We'll <laughs> <laughs> be digging those up in the yeah. long term <laughs> future, yeah
0: <laughs> A very hopeful race 10,000 yeah, exactly. years ago <laughs> based on what the evidence we have <laughs> Oh, that's funny um, so okay. you, Oh, go ahead like, So you
1: made this light up everything sign the same way you
0: yeah, pretty much. Yeah, and there's just like, like
1: the way I the way I assume is if there was like multiple, like how's it light up? I obviously, I know how it lights up, but like how are like the lights like placed inside of it. Sure. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. They're yeah that piece to that piece. are the same way. I like I hand draw it, and um, these I actually probably draw probably drew this on a tablet, so that <laughs> I drew with a vector stroke, and then cleaned it up, and then. Um, outlined the stroke, and then made PDF files. And that is three layers of plastic. So the front layer is, sol- is solid. And then the back layers are just the inside and outside edges. And then LED strips go around the entire um,
0: contour on the inside. Yeah. And you was saying that the the... The LED tape is basically very inexpensive. It's, yeah, it's really inexpensive. Like pennies per foot or? Yeah, more.
1: like I, like, um, yeah, I don't know, yeah. And then you said the electronics are a couple <laughs> bucks, so. Yeah, I would say, yeah, a couple bucks for the
0: um, the transformer and a, a couple bucks for the light, yeah. So all said and done, that's uh, to manufacture that object, 20 bucks max. For the technology, for the. Yeah. Opposite, and, ignoring the, the $15,000 laser engraver. <laughs> <laughs> this thing here costs about 15, 20 bucks.
1: Yeah. so the, And labor. Well, the, oh, I'm only thinking materials. Yeah, material, so, true. So, so sorry, was, the Plexi is really, it's acrylic and it's really uh, pretty expensive. Oh, that's thick acrylic. So yeah. it comes out of a sheet that's two by four and that sheet alone is $65. That's true. That's pretty thick. Um, so, but yeah, I would say under seventy-five dollars yeah, in materials. Yeah. But then yeah, you've got all the labor that's
0: yeah. and the overhead of the machinery and everything. Yeah. You know, yeah. But it looks awesome. It does. <laughs> it does <look> awesome. <laughs> if that was the only thing you ever made, that would cost about seventeen thousand with that laser <laughs> engraver. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but, but otherwise, yeah. yeah. Um, what, what's so much public feedback, so much public interaction with your work. What's some of your favorite responses to the work that you've uh, that you've made? What's some of your favorite aspects of the dialogue, and maybe the opposite of that? What's been stuff that's bothered you or negative feedback? Hmm. Well, the
1: the the your beautiful project has become like almost like a meme in and of itself, and mm-hmm. I hope it doesn't become so much of a meme that it becomes. You don't get anything out of it, mm-hmm. but like h- hundreds or thousands of different works have been made around the world that are either that exact phrase um, linking back to the, the project or they're kind of riffs. Um, and like right now in Chicago, there I don't know who the person is, but it's a, a street art kid and they're putting up, um, it's a big gray, you're beautiful poster. And then it's a, a, the same sticker outline and it has a picture of Donald Trump in it, and then it says he is pitiful. <laughs> 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 so it's like becoming oh, this yeah. like yeah. thing that you know what this rounded rectangle kind of means. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but but you know it's just been you know kind of you know really interesting to see that. Um, as far as stuff that um, the only negative responses that we've received are that um, people take the message meaning outward beauty mm-hmm. and it's all it, that's not what it's about mm-hmm. and um, some people have said that it, it it actually makes them feel more insecure mm. and so we've kind of like dealt with those and we always write back mm-hmm. um, whether it's an, a physical letter or an email mm-hmm. um, but those are the only
0: negative responses that I think we've ever gotten yeah it's almost more of a, a mirror to the culture that 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 statement would um, necessarily instigate you know anxiety right mm-hmm. that we're already so image conscious that to hear that phrase it automatically assume that you're talking about the visual you know yeah. interesting and so people write you letters people write mm-hmm. you letters and say hey this is we're in antarctica we love it <laughs> That yeah. kind of thing or <laughs> yeah and some are you know
1: some are just like yeah just wanted to let you know we loved it and and some are these like ha- long handwritten letters that are like that the sticker came at this moment and it like literally like changed or saved their life which hmm. is kind of something i never uh
0: expected that sort of seriousness of yeah yeah wow very cool I mean, that's running through pretty much what I had for the conversation. What, does anyone else have any questions for Matthew and his uh, process or meaning or either or?
1: I just have a quick question. Like the, maybe it's more a comment, but the phrases and both the materials are things that like seem very common, but yet they're not like, they're also specific. Like. You know, you could. I hear people say you are beautiful all the time, but it's like there's something about putting it on a sticker. And like you can buy plywood anywhere, but then you're putting this different text on it. And I didn't know if there was this play between something being individual and special, and then something that's like super common. Like mm. if that's if there's a dialogue with that, or if it just happens to kind of mm. work that way sometimes. Or I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah. I mean, the the sticker itself is a very very sort of like stale and um, it's like intentionally undesigned and that it's supposed to blend in with sort of like manufacturing stickers like on an air conditioner or whatever Mm -hmm. and that it has no sort of personality to it so that you can take it wherever you need to go Um, but that it can also kind of like work in you know, daily life so we make a lot of street signs and just a lot of fun ways that I think um, catch you off guard so that you don't expect it. Is that... Yeah, no, I just, I just yeah. was noticing that, like, some of the materials, like, were just... They seemed everyday materials, but yeah. then they became something different. Yeah, I like working with, like, things that I can get a hold of, and, um, yeah, I, you know, I have, like, a, a woodworking or a builder's background, and I would say I, early on, early, early as a kid, I was... It wasn't until, like, almost college that I got into art. I was always a tinkerer and a maker. And so I was, like, taking apart radios and getting shocked by TVs and, um, <laughs> like, just making things. Like, we didn't have a lot of money, so, um, you know, I couldn't get those cool, like, matchbox, you know, ramp truck make things. Thing, yeah. And so I would make them out of, like, you know, board and anything that I could get a hold of. So I think I still, yeah, do enjoy... Um, you know, using using those types of material, but then also, fancying it up from time to time. Like this is a walnut, you know, veneered plywood and gold mirrors. So, um, this is like the tuxedo. You know? <laughs> <laughs> this is a luxury item. In yeah. The room,
0: yeah. <laughs> so there's kind of a subversive, quality, that gets back to the street art idea. But you were never a graffiti kid yourself. No, we school. just did. No, yeah, we just did like stickers and installations. Yeah. Did you, I mean, you said it started in Chicago. When you got to Chicago, was that when you really started thinking about street art? Or did you always been sort of fascinated with the street art? Uh, no, I th- yeah, that? I
1: think it. I really got exposed to it then. At, at that point. And uh, there was a blog called the Wooster Collective at that time. And so I would follow that, and I got invited out there to New York to do an installation in this building where everybody was doing work. I mean, like, there was everybody, like W.K., Shepherd Ferry, like every single person that did street art in that moment, fail. They were all in this building making stuff, and I went and did this installation. This little kid from Chicago, and it wow. uh, was just like, oh my, God. <laughs> yeah. So cool, cool. Yeah, and there's this like excitement and. Um, I don't know, it's just, it's so, I get like an adrenaline rush, even when we're, now we now have permission, like people are asking us to do these Mm -hmm. pieces outside, but I still get the same adrenaline rush. I pretend like we're not supposed to be there. Right, right,
0: (laughs) right. And uh, you enjoy interacting with people as you're putting those things up? Or has it been, has you had weird, weird issues or... Yeah, I don't
1: enjoy it. no. okay. Yeah, would rather get it done <laughs> and get out. Get I kind of, of like, yeah, get it. Yeah, get get it done, get it out, and then <laughs> we'll have like one dedicated like spokesperson or something. Uh-huh. Yeah, because it gets it's a lot of confusion. Uh, and, um, yeah, you take a lot of flack? Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just it's you you. It's an approach like if you're out in the public doing something, people come up and they're just like, "What are you doing? Mm-hmm like it's there's this space, like this yeah. demand of like i don't it's a very hmm. strange dynamic and we normally like work it through and in the end it's a great positive experience right, right. but there's just this if you're out in the world doing something people feel like they can um approach you and de- they demand to know what's going on
0: wow yeah. that's that's interesting yeah um you mentioned a. uh, uh entity that I, I wasn't familiar with earlier. When I mentioned Facebook, you said what was it? Hands Across oh, America? What was that? Cards Against Humanity. Cards Against Humanity. Yeah. Talk about that. What is
1: that? Are you guys familiar with the game? It's a um, they call it a, a party game for horrible people. <laughs> okay. And uh, it is a it's a card game. Huh. So it's a, an awesome way for friends to get together um, and, and, and play this sort of interactive game. You're given a prompt and then you have to sort of pick the probably the most despicable thing you know that that can go with it and um, it's it's a, a, a 17 plus mature game. yeah um, and uh, I think last year they did this artist series um, supplement pack and so I mm. was invited to do it and so I designed a card and it was the first thing I couldn't show my son <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but despite it, all that is it still a- affirmative <laughs> no, not the no. card, but yeah, but the but the installation in the space is is it um, okay? And uh, and now started by um, just you know young kids in Chicago on mm. Kickstarter, um, completely. I think they say it's completely unexpected that mm. um, it's kind of blown up into a you know a massive massive thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but the piece there says um, it says um, import nice to be important to be nice mm-hmm. and then there are two sets of LEDs one warm and one cool and so depending on what's going on you can move the lights in and out and it and it shares the word important mm-hmm. so nice to be important and then important to be nice mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. cool um and do you have any um do you have any young upstart competitors that have Kind of branched into this field. They've seen what you've done in Chicago, and have they been? Has anyone else been kind of treading into this space?
1: Hmm.
0: I don't know. Nothing I mean, noticed? I see
1: things more as you know, collaboration, and sure. Um, you know, so I wouldn't. Um, if I saw something like that, yeah, I wouldn't take it as um, competition. Sure, but more just like I mean, I think there's, you know, that's what I've always felt about like if. Um, you know like graffiti tagging like art like why on earth would you ever do that there's so many blank walls yeah you know it's like um same thing it's like if people are making art like great
0: you know like let's all do it together yeah for sure cool okay uh if there are no further questions we'll uh we'll call it there uh thanks again uh matthew hoffman um They're our current artists in the gallery, and uh, the show will be up until October 25th. So uh, tell all your friends. Thank you. Thanks. This has been Q&A, recorded in the Cadditch Gallery at St. Ambrose University in Davenport, Iowa. The Cadditch and Morrissey Galleries are located in the Galvin Fine Arts and Communications Center at 2101 North Gaines Street between Locust and Lombard. All content of this podcast is the exclusive property of St. Ambrose University Copyright 2017 and may not be utilized without expressed written permission.